Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Welcome to ES First. We, uh, we are a church that believes in Jesus. And uh, so that makes us kind of a cult, I guess, compared to the rest of the world. Um, but uh, we, we are Jesus followers, so we, we follow the, uh, the Bible, and we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. That means that we believe that God wrote it to us, and that through his Holy Spirit, he brings to life truth to us. And so we preach through books of the Bible. Right now, we're in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is, is distinctly a letter uh, written to a church in Rome, and uh, it is so packed with doctrine. Doctrine is, is the core truth of what we believe about the faith, uh, the doctrine of soteriology. Soteriology is the, is the doctrine of salvation. So a lot of us are trying to figure out in our lives um, how to connect with God, and that idea of connecting with God is this word salvation. Uh, you probably heard, are you saved, right? Anybody ever heard that term before? That's, that term saved comes from salvation. It's when Moses, you know, Charlton Heston stands in, in front of the Red Sea and he says, says raises his arms and the, and the water rolls back. He stands before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. He is, he is the figure who is basically giving salvation of the, to the children of Israel to leave bondage in Egypt. And that same thing is true of us, that God is giving us salvation to leave the life of sin, the bondage of sin uh, that comes from Satan and what he has done on this earth and bringing us to a place of salvation. It's not just that we get a ticket to heaven, although a ticket to heaven is pretty amazing, amen? Uh, a, A ticket to heaven is awesome, but it's actually bringing us from death to life. And as Paul brings that out in the book of Romans, what he's trying to get you to understand is that although people want you to, to live in, a, in an attitude of goodness or, or morality, morality is not really much of a thing if you are not completely made into what God wants you to be. There are plenty of people going straight to hell that are good people. Did you know that? And the sad thing is that many people are going to hell and their sins are already paid for. They'll go to, they'll go to hell and they'll say, why do you pay for my sins, Jesus? He said, I already would. I already did. You just didn't receive it. Receive it. And this is what Paul is trying to bring forth. And, and, and it's actually the curse of many people right in the church. It's the curse of many of us because we get caught up in this idea of morality and this, this idea of list making and rule making instead of living in the fullness, what Paul would refer to as newness of life, new people instead of old dead people. Isn't it crazy? So here we are. Paul is going to unpack that for a lot of chapters. He's going to take about 11 chapters and just unleash a whole bunch of stuff. And it's so packed with words and and it's so packed with Jewish culture and it's so packed with with culture of that day that it's going to take us some time to really sort it out. And today is, is no different than that. He actually begins to talk about things that we don't quite understand if we're not Jewish. So I'm going to try to bring that to you today and bring some light to it. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters, Abraham, in the Bible. And he is going to, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about Abraham. He's pretty incredible. So here we go. Are you ready? So here we go. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1 it says this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this manner? 
In fact, Abraham was justified by works. If Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift. In other words, if a certain person works, you owe them their pay. They're not credited as a gift, but an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Against them, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? Uh, it was not after, but before, and he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness may be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised, who not only are who not only are circumcised, but also follow in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Anybody confused yet? Stick with it. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that word were not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that you are more than enough for every circumstance. We believe that in our life, you are more than enough when we didn't add up. We believe that you are more than enough when we couldn't quite make it to the place that we wanted to be. More than enough when our failures overcome us. You've been more than enough again and again. And today, we believe that you are more than enough for what is ahead of us. We believe that you have saved us and called us, and I pray today that the word would cut deep in our hearts, that we would have a greater realization of how incredibly amazing you are and how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's this, there's this old question, you know, like, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Does anybody have an idea? Chicken? Eggs are pretty good. You don't think God just popped an egg on the... On the well, how about this? Uh, did, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? That's, that's complex. That's like, whoa, that's otherworldly kind of thought. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? It's crazy. Well, then, did, did Eve have to grow a belly button to have, have Seth and Cain and Abel? Did Adam have a belly button? Was he the only person ever to not have a belly button? It's crazy to think about these thoughts. Uh, and most of the time, um, we don't get caught up in them, but it seems really silly because they don't really matter. 
right? The, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg, doesn't matter. Eggs are good and chicken is good, right? I love some wings and I love some breakfast, especially with some hot sauce. Hot sauce, I'm, it's like, the real question is, what came first, chicken or the hot sauce? You know what I mean? Because it's so valuable to chicken. But uh, they're just silly things that we kind of concern our wealth, ourselves with this for a second, but then we just let them go. And some people can't let it go. You know, you got that one kid who's always like, which came first? I just, I, he stews over it, stews over it. And, and it seems silly, but actually we do the same thing. And our lives, we're so concerned with which came first, we get things so entirely flip-flopped that we are so messed up going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth trying to figure out complex things like salvation. And what Paul is trying to get through in Romans is that, first of all, no matter how good you are, no matter how much you seem like you're a good Christian, you didn't, be, you didn't just get that way by you deciding to. Actually, God saved you, and it was a reflection, right? We even have this issue um, in, in, our, in, our, in our society today. It's like people want to get things backwards. We, we place an incredibly high value on a ring, Right? People get engaged. Now, there's an engaged couple here. Where did the engaged people? Hi. Savannah's engaged. Right? Savannah's engaged to Jacob, and she has this ring, and she's so excited about it. And we get so wrapped up in a ring. A ring is really valuable, but I guarantee you, Savannah would have never said yes to a ring unless there was a certain level of commitment from Jacob. Right? Amen, Savannah? Okay. She's not even sitting by him today. She got her ring. She got her friend in between them already. I'm just playing. One of the greatest philosophers of our day, Queen B, Beyonce, she said, I've been with you three years, and you never showed any level of commitment, so I went out to the club. You decided to dip. I was there dancing and some other brother noticed me and now you want to be all up in my business and she says, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it. She's so wrapped up in this idea of the ring, but actually she's actually kind of right because what she wants is commitment from a person who was not willing to give it. But actually, let me just preach to you, Beyonce, if you listen to this podcast today. You need to be concerned about that commitment. Okay? Three years is way too long to be up in that business with that dude and not have a ring on it. As a matter of fact, we get so wrapped up in the outward that we miss the commitment on the inside. Don't we? We like things to look really good on the outside. We got the right car, the right house, the right marriage, the right number of kids, the right job, the right retirement. But if all hell is breaking loose at home, we have no peace and we're, we're up all night long just thinking and stewing about all the things that are, that are seemingly going crazy. It's like this outward means nothing because we don't have the commitment, the true and noble life that we want, we don't have the reality of security in what we want in our souls. We're missing out on the inward for the outward. It's that idea of the ring. I got the ring, but I have no peace. And so here, Paul is, is, is talking to us about Abraham. Abraham's like my favorite character in the Bible. Um, he wasn't always, but he has become my favorite character probably in the last 10 years. 
He was the first Jew. He was the first Jew. Actually, he was this person from Iraq. He's Ur of the Chaldeans, if you know where that is. It's in Iraq. So he's an Iraqi. And uh, God finds him and he says, hey, would you uh, leave your father and mother and go to a land I will show you? And he begins to talk to him about a promise, and he says, I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great. And, and he begins to just speak to him, and Abraham puts his entire life on what God has said to him. He believes God. And so what Paul is saying here is, is that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So he's the first Jew, and then, like any good movement, what happens is it starts off really pure, and then out of that comes these these things, these systems of belief that actually become looking like Abraham, but not necessarily like Abraham. Let me break this down for you. So God says, I want you to circumcise yourself, Abraham. Now, we're not talking about eight-day-old baby. We're not talking about infant newborn. Like, well, this hurts so bad. And then wrap it up or whatever. We're talking about a full-grown man. God's like, I want you to circumcise yourself. He's like, what do you mean, like cut off my toe? Nope. I got something different in mind. You do what? Full-grown man circumcised himself. He says, now, as a matter of fact, I want you to go through your entire family, everybody who works for you, everybody that's attached to you, everybody that wants to be identified with you, and you are going to circumcise every male. No matter if they're young no matter if they're old. Now, in our world, it's, it's, it's so common that we don't even know what that's like. But in the old world, it was not common. Nobody just woke up and go, you know what? I think I want to circumcise. Right? Hello, we're in church. Everybody's, like, Everybody's trying to keep their mind focused on something holy, but still <laughs> think about circumcision. <laughs> it's weird, I know. But it's in the Bible, so we have to talk about it. Circumcise yourself. If you want to be identified with me, you have to circumcise yourself. Now, I think that God probably chose this because it was so meaningless. Why would God be concerned about a little piece of skin on a part of your body that nobody else is going to see? Well, maybe some people will see, depending on how, you know, like you should have put a ring on it, you are. But, but, it was so meaningless. It's like, why? Why is that such a big thing? It's like, because I think that it was such an important move. It's like, you wouldn't do it unless you were really serious about it. Nobody's like, it's like, Iris got an earring. I love his earring. Okay. It's like, yeah, just pierce my ear up, bro. We'll all be a part of the same team. You know, get the tat, be blood brothers, whatever that means. It's like, yeah, we're all on the same team. It's like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to circumcise. Everybody wants to be on the same team. It's like, no, I'm out. Not going to do that. Doesn't sound fun at all. It's just meaningless. Why? Does it help? No, not really. Is it any different? No. Is it going to be painful? Yeah. Why? It's meaningless. And so what Paul is unpacking here is that Abraham was circumcised. And then so everybody that's tied to Abraham was circumcised. And so they figured out that if you were uh, going to do this, it was, it was great to do it on the eighth day. Eighth day is good. As a matter of fact, there's a certain amount of chemicals in the body that, that numbs that area, and it's, it's like the best day to do it on the eighth day. 
even though they don't tell you at the hospital, if they're going to circumcise your kid, they're just like, we're going to do it right now, and you just got to put up with a crying baby for a few days. But, through the process of history, good Jews were circumcised. As a matter of fact, of all the good things that, Abraham, uh, that Paul talks about, it's like, I was the Jew of all Jews. I went to the right school. I was from the right place. I was from the right family. In that list, he goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Who cares? Except for that it's important to them. And just like anything else, what happens is, is that we all go, what are you doing that looks like you're a part of the right team? And so he is saying, all the people after Abraham, they're circumcised. And so he makes a big deal about this because of the circumcision, the circumcision, the circumcision. Why? Because it was like, it was like you didn't even say the Jews. You were like, are you a part of the circumcision? What? That's how clearly it is that when you are circumcised in the old days, not now, because you can be unsaved and be. It was so distinct that many scholars believe that when Joseph was sold into slavery and he was Egyptian and he, he uh, looked like an Egyptian, he talked like an Egyptian, he walked like an Egyptian. And his brothers came out and they found him and they did not believe Anything, like he, he ran them through the ringer because they, he couldn't believe that they couldn't recognize him. When he went back to, to dinner with them and he finally reveals to them that he's Joseph, many scholars believe that he opened up his robe and showed him his circumcision because that would be the only way that they would know that it was actually Joseph. It's crazy to think about how important that is to them in that day. Because it was so distinct about the team they belonged on. So Paul is like, look, some of you think you have it all right, that you're on the right team, that you're children of Abraham, because you're circumcised. Because you did something small that was so meaningless, that was actually not the first thing, it was the next thing. It was the next thing. So God comes to Abraham and says, would you believe me? And Abraham says, yes. And he puts his whole entire life on it. And the Bible says, and Paul makes this claim, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, he starts to talk about these two different things. He talks about the gift of God and the wages. Wages. We are tried and true Americans, red, white, and blue. We believe that everything we had, we earned, right? We even brag about it like, you know, I'm just a self-made man. Everybody needs to take care of themselves. We even are against people who are on welfare, taking all these handouts. It's like we have these, like, we have all of these certain stigmas. Now, I mean, for all the soundbite people, I am not against people on welfare, okay? But the idea, the attitude of Americans is that we earned it. We fought for it, right? Even coming to this country and gaining independence was all about, we fought for it. We fought for it. We fought for it. People shed their blood for it and thank God for soldiers, but that is so ingrained in us, even when it comes to God, that we mistakenly apply our salvation to God. Like, God, we earned this. Look how good I am for you. He says, no, no, no. Whether you're Jewish, whether you're American, it doesn't matter where you are, you did not earn it. You cannot earn it. 
Something so signifying like a ring on a finger is the circumcision of the flesh. Brag about, you know, I I did everything just right. I I followed after God. I'm circumcised. I'm a part of the club. And he says, no, no, no. We got to go back to the beginning. Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, he wanted to be identified with God. And so he was willing to be circumcised. It's not the other way around. And so here we are. This is actually 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later, and it's become so blurred that it is more important to be circumcised than it is to believe God. Pharisees had a hard time believing Jesus simply because he didn't fit their pattern. He didn't fit their club. I mean, is this guy even circumcised? And Paul says, look, it doesn't matter circumcised, not circumcised. Everybody is a part of this Abraham because circumcision has nothing to do with Abraham. Belief. Believe in God. That's what makes you righteous. And if you believe God, you'll do anything. You'll do anything. He says even David got this. We're talking about some thousand years after Abraham. David got this. He said, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. He could have said, blessed is the one who has a good name. Blessed is the one who has done everything right. Blessed are the circumcised. Blessed are the really religious. Blessed are the ones that go into the church every single Sunday, no matter if it's cold, no matter if it's warm, no matter if it's a holiday, no matter if they feel like it, it doesn't matter. Blessed are those people. He could go right down a whole list of things that we attribute to being righteous. Blessed are the ones that don't lie. Blessed are the ones that don't cuss. Blessed are the ones that don't chew. Blessed are the ones that stay away from the evil women. You've done a, a whole list of righteous acts. But he doesn't say that. He says, blessed are the ones whose sins are forgiven. And how do we get to that place? Believe God. Believe God. So when Jesus dies on a cross, as a matter of fact, he comes for all of the entire planet. He comes for all of humanity history, all of humanity future, and all of humanity right in that particular place. We're here today because Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago, and we never saw him physically. And all he says is this, believe in me. That's the way we get to righteousness. And so he's breaking the curse of people who are trying to follow a list of things on the outside. They're trying to get that ring, but they got no commitment. If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. Yeah, but what good is that with no commitment? It's commitment of the heart. Commitment of, I got stuff everywhere, don't I? I got Commitment of the heart versus the sign of commitment. The sign of commitment is different. There's nothing wrong with a ring, Savannah. I love your ring. It's awesome. The sign of commitment 
people that are married, they don't go on dates with other people. The sign of commitment people who are married, they start to live a little differently. They start to talk a little differently. Not because now that we're married we have to do this, because it's, but it's a reflection of the heart. People that are married to Jesus, that believe Jesus, talk a little differently than people that don't. People that are married to Jesus act a little differently than people that don't. As a matter of fact, they might abstain from some things that other people will engage in simply because they are in a committed relationship with the person who first loved them. And God is getting down to this. He spent the last chapter going, look, whenever this law comes up, like whenever it talks about how good you are, trust me, you're worthless. You can't do it. Every time you put a point on the board, I can just erase it. Because all of those rules you cannot follow. And so he goes, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm obligated to give you a gift when you believe me. He says, you're so valuable to me that I'll send the prize of heaven to come and buy you back. And all I want is for you to believe in me. The minute you get over here like, oh, I got this ring. Beyonce is like, well, look how fine I am. I did my hair. I did my nails. I'm a good woman. You can, put, you can wipe this up. And God's like, look, I don't want any of that in our relationship. I want me to come down. I want to, I want to give you a commitment from me that cannot be outdone. I want to give you myself. I think that you're worth everything I have. And it's a gift to be committed to you. Abraham didn't have any reason why he could be committed to God, except for he just believed and said, yes. Believing is so much bigger than earning. And you get twisted when you start seeing what everybody else looks like on the outside, but you don't see their heart. And you can look like people who look good on the outside and be broken on the inside. You can have the right clothes, you can sit in the right place, you can lift your right hands to write song, you can read the right verses, you can repost them on Facebook. You can listen to K-Love. Hallelujah. You can donate to the K-Love fan, whatever that drive is. You can do all the right things, you can be kind to others and not be committed to God. You cannot believe him, you cannot trust him, and you, my friend, will become very religious and broken and bitter. Far from God. And the sad thing is, is all of this work and all of this toil and all of this trying to be everything on the outside is not necessary when God is just saying, believe me on the inside. Believe me on the inside. It's a circumcision. It's the pain of being a full-grown man, circumcising yourself just to be a part of the club just to be a part of the club that was free to get into if you would just believe. It was a gift to get into if you could just follow and say yes. And out of that comes a supernatural lifestyle going from old to new. And your life will begin to reflect difference. You'll be the person who goes home and you're like, I, I, I don't know if I should do that anymore. I just don't feel any fulfillment from that. When you go out to work and everybody else is doing all the things you used to do and you're like, I just, 
I just, I just don't find any life in that. It comes from a place of commitment. It's accredited gift versus obligation of wages. The cutting away is a reflection of your life of belief. Belief. Belief is a powerful thing. Belief is a powerful thing. You will do crazy things because you believe in something. Right? Anybody here been a Chiefs fan for the past two decades? Mm. Why? Because you believed. Right? You believed when nobody else believed. Anybody else go to a game that it was like six degrees outside and you were clear up at the top? Bitter cold coming in. Why were you there? That seems ridiculous. But you had some sort of belief. Chiefs. Beliefs will make you do dumb stuff. It'll make you fall in love with the wrong person. Can we go back to the Chiefs? It'll make you get angry at the wrong person for the wrong thing. And you have to go back and apologize. Anybody had to do that? Years later, I'm sorry. I was an idiot. <laughs> I, I was young. I had more mouth than I had sense. Belief. Anybody been so convinced that their spouse was cheating on them? Well, don't get too personal, Brent. <laughs> I'm trying to get all into that. Well, you know. Belief, crazy stuff. Belief that you are not good enough to achieve the dreams that God has placed inside your heart and your mind. Belief. Belief will cause you to run away from a God who loves you to a place of brokenness saying that he doesn't. You believe the wrong thing. But if you believe the right thing, that God loves me? That he has purchased me? That he's sufficient? That means that he's enough? That he has the, the funds to pay for what he purchases? That he doesn't change his mind? He doesn't forsake those that he loves? Belief is a powerful thing. When I believe something, I'm willing to put my life on it much like those Chiefs fans. Are you willing to put your life on it? As a matter of fact, the, the word circumcision comes from this idea of cutting away. Help me out back there, guys. This is what Paul said just before this whole spiel. He's trying to pound it into your head and my head and, and the people of, of Rome's head. He says this, no person is a Jew who is uh, no, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. Inwardly is what matters. It's deep-seated belief. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. It's following after God with who you are because on the inside your belief Reflects it. 
It reflects it. It's completely believing and trusting even though the outward doesn't necessarily agree with what's on the inside. You mean that I'm new, Brandon? I don't feel new on the outside. Still got this bunion. Got this bad hip. You know, I, I, I still got to inject a little insulin. You know, I, I still struggle with my, my head. Something inside me tells me I'm not that anymore. That I'm not broken. I'm not worthless. I'm not far gone. I'm actually something inwardly that can't be explained. It's a belief that I have. I'm different. And my whole entire life is reflecting difference because of this inward thing. He says, it's a circumcision of the heart. Not just a belief, but a cutting away of the old thing so you can be the new thing. I wonder what God has been cutting away in your heart because you believed. Maybe you're hearing like, I think I got it all backwards. I was taking communion and I got baptized. And I, you know, I, I've been to, I've been to, I'm watching this thing on TV, but I don't know if I really believe like that. Am I, am I really new? Yeah. The Bible says you can be new. You can be fully God's just by your yes. The cutting away will come because of your belief. Circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by written rules. Such a person's praise is not from people, but from God. Could it be that God is praising you for your belief and you're running around chasing people and the ways they do things? I mean, trust me, I grew up in church. I know how to chase people's beliefs. Sooner or later, I got tired of chasing everybody's beliefs. They said all sorts of things to me. They told me all sorts of things. They told me that I couldn't be saved if I ran in church. It's crazy, huh? They told me I couldn't play drums in church. Some people, not everybody. They told me that I couldn't dance in church. They told me that I couldn't rap and be a Christian. Y'all didn't know I was a rapper, did you? What? Y'all want something? What? They told me so many different things because they're chasing the outward. And I remember the day that I was like 21. I was, I was struggling with some stuff. I was struggling with this idea that I didn't add up for people. The bad thing was I was already a youth pastor. These other pastors were kind of biting me, and I, I was like trying to like do what they did, you know. When are they gonna sing? I was when I'll sing. When they bow down, I'll bow down. When they lift their hands, I'll lift my hands. I gotta do it exactly like them because I gotta look like a good youth pastor. But God didn't hire me to look like a good youth pastor, He hired me because of my belief. God spoke to me so clearly. I said, Brandon, there is a fire, a flame that I am drawing you to. It's like a circle of people standing around this fire. And I'm, I'm calling you closer to me. And you keep turning around and looking at the people 
who are yards back asking him if it's okay if you come close to my heart. And God is saying the same thing to you. You are dancing around a circumcision of people who are outwardly looking like they are a people of faith. And God is calling you, come closer, come closer, come closer. And you keep turning around going, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? God said it never was about them approving you. It was about me calling you and saying, believe me, believe me, believe me. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. And if you come close to this flame, you will experience life and change like you have never imagined. God is that kind of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Today, could we, you and I, be the kind of people who believe God? That we could move away from just the outward, but really dig deep and say, God, if you would risk everything for me, then I owe you my life. No matter if that painful cutting away of the old in my life hurts at times, no matter if it's difficult, no matter how hard it is. God, I want to follow after you. I have to follow after you. Paul says at the very end, he says, we serve a God who looks at things that are not and calls them as though they are. So he looks at you and he says, I know that you don't necessarily look like me yet, but I call you mine. I call you holy. I call you righteous just because you believed me. That's what we're talking about. Salvation of the heart. If you're today, say, Brandon, First of all, maybe you never had the opportunity to tell God that you wanted to follow after him. You tried all sorts of prayers. You tried all sorts of religious things. But this simple thing is, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me my sins. I want to follow after you. That's all it is. Let's pray that prayer together. Jesus, I believe in you. Come on. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow after you. That's the beginning of a journey, but the next journey is where most of us are. That we are asking God, am I getting it backwards? Am I cart before the horse? Am I chicken before the egg? Egg before the chicken? Am I a ring with no commitment? And so we analyze our hearts and say, God, I want to go back to the simple gospel, which is believing you. And let that belief be reflected in my life the way I treat others, the way I treat my spouse, the way I believe you, the way I talk to my own self. If you're here today, say, Brandon, pray for me. I want to be right there with you. Simple gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, just lift your hand where you are. Thank you. I'm praying for you. 
Father, we thank you with our hands lifted high that you are a God that sees past the crowd and looks to our heart. Father, we're here today because we're actually committed. Sometimes we get a little wrong. We see things from the wrong perspective, but never let us forget that we are blessed because our sins are forgiven. We're forgiven today. And everything we do is because you first loved us. You're that amazing. Transform us from the inside out, God. And let us be people of the presence of God that live supernaturally because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise today.